0: Well, you seem like a happy bunch. I believe you just smile a while and a while, you smile another smile, and soon to piles and piles of smiles for miles and miles, and life's worthwhile because you smile. <laughs> well, it works, doesn't it? We have had a blessed weekend, and uh David and I, we just thank you all so much for letting us come and be a part of this great fellowship, and, and to be with our friend, you know, all of the years we've known each other. We've had very little time together, just a few hunts here and there, but we've had so much fun this weekend just getting to be with Herbert and Debbie and the girls and the grandkids, and, and I can tell you, we do go back a long way. The first time I saw Herbert Brown, he reminded me of a bullfrog on a freeway with his hopper busted. <laughs> And then along came a, a beautiful girl, gave him a kiss, and he turned into a handsome frog. <laughs> and we just couldn't do much more after that. It just, oh, man. Um, Herbert, we love you. You know that. I told the guys last night, he's, he really is like our, our brother. I mean, just like he was born in our family, and we've known each other so long, and through the years we've stayed in contact. Um, Folks, we, we have had, the Lord has blessed him and I, we've had so many different experiences in our, in our life. our 42, nearly 43 years of marriage. And we want to try to share some of those most recent events with you this morning. And, and one of the things we're going to attempt to do is, uh, is to sing for you as well. And this is a song that really the Lord touched us with and used a lot to get our direction focused on actual going Overseas uh, on a long-term stay. And uh, we'd made many trips, um, volunteer trips around the world, and then the call began to come to go permanently for a longer period of time. And so the Lord was using this song to help us. And we're going to try to sing it for you today, and it's called People Need the Lord.
1: This an old evening goody. We hope it's goody. <laughs>
2: Every day they pass me by, I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care, headed who knows where. On they go through. Private pain, living fear to
0: fear. Laughter hides the silent cries. Only Jesus hears.
2: People need. You need the word. Happy At the end.
0: Shame Pray with me. Father, in these moments today, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, we would hear your call again upon our lives to reach out to Roxborough, Person County, North Carolina, and the United States and this world with the gospel and love of Jesus Christ. We are called. People need you. Many are listening. May we be the ones that you use to tell than the hope that they have in Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for this time together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It is our privilege to share with you a little of our heart today. Um, I honestly believe that in the sound of my voice, there are some people in this room, perhaps youth, perhaps young married couples, perhaps people who are over 50, have heard at some point in their life the voice of Christ calling. You've read in the Scripture, the Lord said, Go. And you haven't gotten to that point. You've figured out how exactly to do that. Believe me, I understand. I sat right where you sat. And I know that God is calling. That is His nature. He's calling, and there are people willing to sin. So I ask you to listen. Young people, let me tell you, there is a life on the mission field We not believe. It's not what he thinks. You know, it's not that... uh, you know, there was a song we learned that it was really funny, but the Lord used it a lot of men's and ladies' lives, young ladies' lives. It was, it was a song called, Don't Send Me to Africa. Don't Send Me to Africa. But yet we knew so many friends our age and others who went through training, who went to Africa and just had a blessed, wonderful life. A couple of friends we know right now of our church in Uganda right now having the time of their life. And let me tell you something, those of you over 50 say, well, we've already blown it, time's gone by. Let me tell you what, IMB got a plan for you. It's called the master's program. Folks over 50, about to retire, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? I'll tell you what they'll do. They'll send you all over the world in the master's program for two up to three years, and you can re-up. you sit in there wondering, what am I going to do? Just grow a garden, watch it die in the winter, then grow another in the next spring, you know? no. Let me tell you something. The Lord has a plan for you, and that's what we did. We were retired, getting ready to retire. Debbie retired, and the Lord sent us to Indonesia. And let me tell you, it can be done. You can do it. You just put your life out there. Let me tell you, you know the story of Paul. I'm not going to preach the story of Paul, but very briefly... Paul, because of his faith because of the turn in his life, because he heard the call of the Holy Spirit, met the Lord on Damascus Road, changed his life, became a missionary. And I'm so glad he did because we learned so much about missions and how to live, preach, and witness on the mission field from his writings. And, of course, he was persecuted for that. You know the story how he was drugged. He he appealed to Caesar, Herbert, and he was drugged. To, to Rome, to come before Caesar. And that trip didn't go so well. That, that little trip wasn't a mission trip, man. That was a prison trip. And it didn't go well. And you know the story. Shipwreck, and finally they get there, to Rome. And in the last two or three verses of the book of Acts, we read what happened to Paul. And if you ever want to see it, you can. If you've got your Bibles, you can look. Acts chapter 28, I'm not preaching out of it. I'm just telling you what happened. The last two verses, chapter 28, verses 30. A lot of people miss this. I didn't miss it after the Lord called us into missions because it jumped out at me just like a sign. Verse 30, chapter 28. After all he'd been through, then it says this, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding Him. That is the pattern of a missionary's life. And folks, you're a part of a great mission program. When you, co- you cooperate with the cooperative program and the International Mission Board and Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, is I hope after today as you get ready for next December, you'll think about today. This is the pattern of a missionary's life. They go where they're not wanted. They rent a house and they preach the gospel. And that's exactly what we did. We went to a city of two million Muslim people. We rented a house with the help of Lottie Moon and we preached the gospel in that house. Some of what we'll share with you is that story of getting there. But uh, it it is a humbling thing to think. You'd go in and two young people, we still consider ourselves young people. Well, Debbie looks young still. And um, go to, you know, from Piedmont and Lugov, South Carolina. And go to an Asian city in Sumatra. Not necessarily where we wanted to go. We thought we'd go to Java. We'd worked in Java for many, many years. Java is one of the islands of Indonesia, 17,500 islands in the archipelago of Indonesia. And we thought that's where the Lord was going to send us. But you know what? God did exactly what he was doing. And we got to Canada Conference. They said, you know what? We need, we need somebody who has expertise in ESL, English as a second language. Debbie, you could have knocked her over with a feather. She had just been certified in ESL, had taught ESL in the Anderson School District. And the other part of it was we need somebody to know something about quail and poultry propagation. <laughs> well, folks, I'd raise quail, pheasants, tur- turkeys, chuckers. If it would fly, I would raise it. But well, then we'd shoot them. But <laughs> well, we knew something about that. It looked like that was our life on that request form. And so we knew the Lord was leading us to Southeast Asia, Palembang. The last few letters of that Palembang is spelled B-A-N-G. One of my friends said, You might know Baker to go somewhere with a name that had bang in it. <laughs> but that's where we went. Debbie, you come up, and you'll have to jump in because I get to talking. You know how it is. But a lot of folks don't know where Indonesia is. and I'll, I'll explain it this way. If you took a globe of the world... And you put South Carolina on your heart and reached around the globe, your fingers would touch the islands of Indonesia. Just lately with the crash of Flight three seventy or the loss of Flight Three Seventy Malaysian Airlines, Indonesia has popped off of the map, so now more of you probably know where Indonesia is than you ever did in your life. It's it's just south of Malaysia, it's north of Australia. 17,500 islands that make up that nation. It's the fourth largest nation in the world. And most people go, what? It can't be. Those little places down the fourth largest nation in the world, the largest Muslim country in the world. And they cram 400 million people on those islands. They give you a perspective on it, and I'm going to hurry. The island of Java, which is where Jakarta is located, the capital of Indonesia, um, has over a hundred million people, I think it 's about one hundred thirty million people now on that one island. How big is that island it 's about the same square miles as the state of Alabama. Now how many people is that that 's more people than there are east of the Mississippi River on that one island and Indonesians are fairly small people, and sometimes I was afraid walk down the street i was afraid i 'd step on them. I mean there were so many people. Um, it is unbelievable unbelievable so you get a a geographic picture you get a population picture and and then to think that it's a it's a country a a muslim country where we can still get into with certain uh, regulations in certain ways we can get in there with the gospel of jesus christ we ought to be sending hundreds to indonesia every year every year pray that god will send a uh, uh, more young people, more couples to Indonesia. It's a beautiful place, a tropical place. Bananas everywhere, monkeys everywhere, uh, all kinds of fruits. Beautiful. And uh, what? Oh, oh! I thought she said. I thought she said I fit right in, and I did. Oh, but uh, anyway. You know, we just share with you this, to stir your hearts to missions. And I know you're a mission-minded church, and you're making trips, and you'll be making more. But let me tell you, some point in time, Herbert, some of these young people come down and say, Preacher, I'd like to talk to a missionary. I think the Lord's calling me. I'd love to talk to you. Believe me, you can go. And it's a life that's blessed, not without trouble. They told us in training if it bugs you here, it'll hippopotamus you there. That's <laughs> so true. <laughs> but still, it's a blessed, happy life. And you have experiences. You'll never have Rockboro, i bet to that. <laughs> um,
1: I don't know. So many people ask us, they say, so, well, why in the world do you think, and you've probably heard this before, why do you think you have to go across the world to witness a lost people? There are lots of people lost right around us. Yes, there are. And we need to be reaching out to those people because they're just as lost as these people over here. The difference is those people over there can't turn on the radio and hear about Jesus. They can't purchase a Bible in a regular store and read about Jesus. Nobody's going to talk to them about Jesus. I remember when I went into a drugstore over there. You fill out these little cards, you know, you have your little Bilo card here and your little scanner card there and your Sam's card. Well, I filled out the little card for the drugstore there, and they yelled across the room, they said, And ma'am, what is your religion? I'm like, Excuse me? I said, uh Sayyapiniku Isa Amasi. We had to learn the language and that's hard for old people. That means I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I kind of yelled it across the drugstore. It's a different world over there. They do not hear the name of Jesus. They don't know who he is. They think he's a prophet. He's in the Quran. They think he's a prophet and a good man. But they don't know he's the Savior. Of the world, and unless somebody comes to their country to tell them, they're gonna die without him. That's the difference. I remember God called me a little bit later than He called Mike. I was ready to put my feet up, sit by the fire at Christmas, and be retired. <laughs> and I remember uh, before that, though, He told you that I had taught ESOL. I had already retired, and they called me back at the district office and said, Debbie, will you be interested in teaching English as a second language? And I said, what? Yeah, we need you. That would be great. At that time, I did not have any idea I would go on the mission field. And I said, sure, I'll do that for a little while. So I did it. I loved it. Loved it. And then uh, God called us to Indonesia. But I remember sitting... Like yesterday, I was sitting in my den by the fireplace. It was Christmas, and the lights were twinkling, and we were getting ready to leave our family. I think it's kind of easier for, I I told somebody this, to, to take their little children to the mission field. You homeschool, you're together every day. But we were leaving our children who were grown but very dependent. Miriam was just a junior in college. Daniel... Was struggling. He had just broken up. He was engaged. Had a marriage debt. uh, Debt. That's it. it? (laughs) Had a a marriage date uh, to be married, and that he broke up with his uh, bride to be, heartbroken. And we left Mike's brother dying with cancer. His mother had just started uh, Alzheimer's. It's probably the hardest thing. But I was just sitting there at Christmas looking at that fire, and I was thinking. God, how can we do this right now? We, I can't leave my home. I'm rejecting my family. I'm leaving home. Lord, do you understand what I'm doing here? And it's like he said, I know how you feel, Debbie. I know because I left my home for you. I left my home. He gave his life so that we could be saved. Not just to select few, but that all could be saved. For God so loved, does it say a few people? No, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave himself for us. I love this scripture, uh, it's Isaiah 42, 5. This is what the Lord God says the creator of the heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take care. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you, talking about Jesus here, to be a covenant for the people. And a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release those from the dungeon who sit in the darkness. And you talk about darkness. A foreign country is full of it. One that just does not acknowledge Jesus Got some-
0: so what is it yeah. like to do that, to move from Piedmont, South Carolina, to three doors from a mosque? Move into another religion that's, uh, I mean, the whole state, the whole country, everything is run by the religions. What is it like to live there? Well, if you can imagine, we arrived in the dark the next morning. Nobody in that village knew we were coming except our teammates, two families from America. and we, uh, I stepped out that next morning. Because uh, I mean four doors, three three actually from the mosque, uh that's an unusual experience at four thirty in the morning when the call to prayers comes on. <clears throat> and it's something like this, and I'm not exaggerating the volume or what happened. This is what happens, no warning, four thirty. Allah When that happened that first morning, we <laughs> hit both sides of the bay. I mean we rolled out and I said Something's happening.
2: <laughs>
0: something's happening. She said, what is it? I said, I don't know, but something's happening. That wasn't a trumpet. <laughs> and she looked over there and saw me and knew, you know. Whew. I said, well, we came to our senses in the dark and realized, man, they're really serious over here about that, that, about that mosque and that speaker. Whew, it was turned up on high, pointed right at our bedroom. We lived 10 feet from the street. And then we begin to see the guys walking. Their religion, their church, they go to church, but they get points. If you were a Muslim church here today, all you would count the guys that you sang in this choir with, and you get points for the number of people that you came to church with and prayed with. So they would count the number of steps to the mosque. That gives them credit with God. Praying with a group like this, that number was counted and added over their lifetime. Number of steps, whether they fasted through Ramadan, which is coming up, all of that counts it 's entirely built on works and hope and hopes that when you die and you pass, that Allah will let you into surga, heaven in paradise now, just in case that didn 't work, then the families begin to pray, so we learned. Uh, that after seven days after death, they would have prayer vigil for the dead person. And we went to one, and we saw the hopelessness of these people praying for that dead person, that they'd be accepted. And we thought, well, that's good. That's gone. Well, then we found out 40 days after the death, they have another prayer meeting for that person that died. hundred days, they have another prayer meeting, Herbert, for that person that died. A thousand days, they have another prayer meeting for that day. Two thousand days, they have another. I know it sounds cumbersome. They're still praying for Muhammad today on the day that he died. So that means you think about how many thousands of Muslims over time have died. Somebody is still meeting to pray for them. And they have food. They have prayer. It's it's like every day. It's such a cumbersome religion. And I wonder how they ever get anything done. But... We wanted to tell them, listen, there's a whole lot easier way. And the guys would come into our home and we would tell them, uh, they, we would listen to them talk about their religion. And they say, well, maybe we will go to hell for ten minutes. Maybe we we'll go to hell for for one year. Maybe to pay for the bad, evil things we've done in our life. And I said, really? I said, how does no time in hell sound to you? <laughs> How does no time in hell sound to you? Well, how are you going to do that? You have to be perfect. I said you would be, you can't be, and you can't pay for your sin. I've got another way. Are you interested? Yeah, I would like to hear it. So we begin to share, and the Holy Spirit gets involved. A Muslim can be saved.
2: That's right. So Amen. we saw that in our home. Yes,
0: we did. And we we don't have the pictures of that. We just got a few minutes to show you some pictures from last year. We were back in in Java and and in our city. Um. Last year, and then after we, were, we spent time in Palembang a couple of weeks, we left and went over to another city in Java, and you'll see some of those pictures. But you can explain this picture. This,
1: uh, Before we go back to the other one, this is the theme of the IMB right now, um, God's heart, where to be his heart, his hands, and his voice. And quickly, we're going to try, try to tell you how we tried to do that through the Holy Spirit's help. You see there are millions of uh, thousands of um, Muslims. They are on their way to uh, Mecca. They feel like that is the ultimate place that they go, and everybody has a dream to go to Mecca one day. Um, It's
0: required to go to Mecca. It's one of the five tenets of Islam to go to Mecca. required for entrance to paradise. So think about the thousands and millions that can't afford to get to Mecca, how their religion leaves them out.
1: And how can you be his heart? Well, you can be his heart here. Hmm. You can have his heart. Pray that you will have the heart of Jesus, the love of Jesus, and he will give it to you. You'll see things that you've never seen before. We had a friend who was sitting in our house, and uh, we were able to pray that he would be led to the Lord. Actually, we prayed for him so hard, and we had to go back to America. I believe it was for... Miriam's wedding, actually, we went back. But um, his brother was in our Bible study, and we came in, and he said, my, my other brother is going to be here tonight. And I said, you mean he's coming to the Bible study? Which is always kind of freaky, because a lot of times we would hide our Bibles. If anybody knocked on the door, you got frightened enough to where you had to hide your Bibles under the chair. But he said, yes, Teddy is going to be here. Well, Teddy told us that night, he said, you know, He said, I used to drive by the school. And he said he had a motorcycle stand. And he said, I would fly by those kids on that motorcycle. And he said, I would splash mud in their faces. And they're so pitiful over there. They have no books. They have no clothes. And he said, you know, it's like I never saw them. But he said, when I accepted Jesus, it's like I had his eyes. I had his heart and he said, I saw those poor children standing by the road for the first time. So I turned around. I picked them up. I took them to school. He said, I saw they didn't have supplies. I bought them supplies. Then I started to buy clothes, send them to them. He said, it's like I had a whole different heart. That's what Jesus does. Yes.
0: Yeah. This uh, last year, we, we took a... Uh, a trip from Palembang to Bataraja. Bataraja is Bata, or Raja. Bata is Rock. Um, Raja is King, so King of Rocks. That's the name of that city. This was a city that Debbie and I fairly opened up. We, the first time we went back in 2008, they had not had any white people or any foreigners in that city. And I'll tell you, it was a show. Everywhere we went, we had a tale. I mean, there were people following us down the street. And uh, we checked into the hotel. And when we got there to the hotel, the manager told our group, said, sorry, can I cannot stay here? And when we asked why, they said, because they're foreigners. <laughs> That's right. I couldn't believe it. And they said, well, okay. you know." But, then, but we had a guy with us from the mayor's office, and he had a word of prayer with the man. He said, listen, you want to keep doing business in Bataraja, they're going to stay here tonight. He said, yeah, they're going to stay right here tonight. <laughs> and so we stayed there and uh, wished we hadn't. I mean, we, it was a rough place. But uh, on that trip, though, uh, we opened that city. The next year, we went back to Bataraja. On that way, we we stopped along the way at villages, and and when we'd stop, children would come running in. This was a little store a family ran, and when we got, you know, it just it's like a magnet. If you stop and get out of camera, you're going people are going to run to it. Kids were there, and this was a group of children who never heard about Jesus. And you have to be very careful with the children in sharing about Christ, because you get in trouble in a Muslim country. It has to be done carefully. It has to be done right. It has to be done with permission to tell any kind of story to children uh, about Jesus. So we didn't get to share a whole lot with these kids, but you can tell they had a good time with Debbie. She carries I start to say she carries a monkey with her.
2: Uh,
0: it's a puppet. It's a puppet. <laughs> that she puts around her neck and she uses that to tell stories. Okay.
1: Oh, well, we, we need to hurry. We're yeah, running we out of time. But, um, yeah. We have been opening our home to Muslims in Greenville, and they do come. We have kind of started working with Hispanic people now, but the, our home is open to those people, and we have shared, shared, shared. Well, we got to go back. When we went back last year, the family in Greenville had given us some things to take back. And we were able to sit down and have a meal with their parents, the ones who lived in Greenville. And so you see how God opens up those roads. It's amazing how he does
0: that. Yeah, a couple in Greenville actually are from the city the Lord assigned us to. But we could not tell them we were missionaries. So we've been trying to share Christ with a couple from the city. Now, if the word gets back to the city that we were there as missionaries, that they may go over and close that library and our team would be jeopardized, their visas pulled, maybe detained and sent home. So it's a touchy thing. This couple in, in Greenville, we ask you to pray for them. Uh, they go to the mosque in Greenville. We have a Greenville mosque. And they, they come to our house and we argue about religion. <laughs> and we're hoping that the Holy Spirit's going to enlighten them, but got to meet their family and they paid for our lunch. And we, we had a great time them. with pray this family. We've, we'll mm-hmm. move on. Pray for these people, you see. I'm
1: going to let you finish Okay, Okay. Um,
0: on the street uh, in Samarang, Samarang is uh, northern central Java, um, we have a, a Baptist seminary there. Now you think, well, this is a Muslim country. How have we got a Baptist seminary there? Let me tell you. The Lord opened up uh, Indonesia in 1951 on Christmas Day. December 25th, 1951, three IMB missionaries flew into Jakarta. And they came into Jakarta to to start a missionary, a printing house, and and, uh, some medical areas. And they did that. They established a hospital, a seminary, and a printing house to print Christian materials. The door was opened then, and the IMB rushed in. And those three men left their families. On Christmas Day, they landed. And then from there... The STBE, the, the Theological Seminary, opened, operated by missionaries from the International Mission Board, and it got established, and they did everything right with the government, and they've allowed them to stay there. The seminary still there because it's grandfathered in, you know. So they are actually teaching Christian young people to become evangelists, pastors, and, and they allow Christianity under certain Restrictions; They allow Christianity, so there are Baptist churches there. And our pastors went over, taught them how to build a church, how to start a church. If you went into a Baptist worship service over there, it would be very much like we had today. They'll have a bulletin, and they'll sing hymns and take up an offering and baptize like we do. So it, th- that's why I say Indonesia is open. We should be sending hundreds over there. So our evangelists, who are Indonesian evangelists and our missionary, had met this man right here on the street. He's living on the street. And led him to Christ. And so we were going out to a church. They said, we want to stop by and and see the little man with the turtle shell. And uh, so we stopped and had a great time of fellowship with this man. He didn't have much. But he got out a bottle of, of soda and shared it with us. And what a story this little forgotten man has now. Because he's a child of the king. Child of the king. Now let's just go on. This is his home. You can see he's uh, got a bench there with all kinds of trinkets, and he's got a turtle shell that he picked up in Sulawesi, another island. Big, big turtle shell. So we had an interesting time with him, just sharing and encouraging him. Um, we're also to be his hands. In this picture, uh, one of the things that uh, Debbie was able to do is God opened doors for her to get into um, universities. And do lectures to English teachers, and we didn't realize the scope of that thing. But once it, we we showed up at a at university, there were five, six hundred teachers from all around the country had come to hear Debbie give a lecture on on English, and um, it, it it just opened up doors, you know. It, it it lessened the shock of these Americans, white folks there. And who are you? What are you doing? We're there in the name of Jesus. And it just opened up doors. It, it released the tension, and they realized, you know, they can help us. And so here we are at a, at a school. I forget, there were several hundred there in that English class listening to Debbie give a lecture. Um, another wonderful thing that happened while we were in Samarang, it was we got to see one of our IMB missionaries baptize a young man who had come to Christ. This young man was a friend of Greg and Shelley Bruckert. Uh, he was a good friend of their son, Jonathan. Uh, the Bruckerts have been in Indonesia over 25 years, from Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, their children were raised on the mission field. And they were home last furlough about three or four years ago. They were on furlough. And Jonathan, their son, was a senior at Campbellsville University in Kentucky. The uh, Lord had called him back into missions knew the language, already grazed up in the country, and he was going to seminary and back into Indonesia. And they got a call. little lady across the center line hit Jonathan head on, killed him immediately. We were in Indonesia when we got the call. The longest day of our life. But I'd seen that little boy raised up from a child. But the thing, thing is, you know, there is a, but a step between... Me and death. We talked about that last night. And Jonathan did not know. But he was ready. And when he went, he was preparing to do what God had called him to do. When this young man heard about his friend's death, they were able to witness to this boy who was a good friend of Jonathan and lead him to Christ. And look at this. They baptized him in that Muslim country in a puppet. Oh, yes. Hundreds heard about Jonathan and... Um, Many, many of his Indonesian friends came to Christ. They said, How are we going to see Jonathan again? Jonathan's daddy was over. Tell him. This is how. Mm. Powerful. Hmm. Let's go on. There's another picture. I don't know what's up there. Right here is uh, some of the team. Um this this family uh, are the Castros. The gal on the right with her uh, peace sign out is Minar she was the secretary there a believer and uh, she is married an American guy now living in LA she called us the other day you're going back to Indonesia you must take some things for me so we're going to see her maybe talk to her soon but this is the library where we worked and right over the shoulder you see I.D. we witnessed and shared with I.D. so many times about the Lord pray for I.D. that he'll come to Christ Um, this is a uh, one of the journeymen, we had Valentine parties trying to introduce the culture to them, some things about America they wanted to know. One of the journey girls, that is, if you're in college or if you finish college and you wonder, what can I do for a year or two, IMB will send you as a journey person all over the world. And these journey people come in, learn the language, and they, they get to share because they're college kids and college kids want to know about America. Here she is sharing right here. Just some pictures to give you an idea of what you can do. Oh boy. Uh, one of our favorite things was kalapa muda. Kalapa is coconut. And uh interesting thing about kalapa is it's very close to the word kapala. Kapala is a word for head. And one time I was talking about somebody they had a really nice kalapa. I said, You got a really nice coconut. Kapala Kalapa, it sounds a lot like. so you had to learn. But anyway, Kalapa Muda is young coconut, and those guys would climb up the trees and pull these coconuts down and cut the top off, and they could do it in a second, and then we'd get to sip right out of that. That's the best stuff in the world. Woo! That's, woo! never mind. I better go on. And then his voice. we get to go into the churches in the village with little Baptist churches, just little cement churches, uh, just fans going, no air conditioning, and uh, and encourage those Christians over there who are living in a state of persecution and just be God's voice to them, reminding them they're not forgotten. Folks, I could go on. I don't know if there's another picture. If it is, you can just let them flash. Um, This is the church, one of the churches that we helped a lot last year. Just let the slides roll. And, um, you know, I just mostly try to encourage people sitting in the pews to think that you can do it. You say, well, God has not called. Yes, He has. God has called and He's piped. He's sung. He's begged. He's calling. You've got to realize that it is you He is speaking to. Either you can give or you can go. And believe me, you can go. It wasn't easy. It wasn't the best time. More I could tell you about that. And I told Herbert I would say more about it next Sunday. we, come, but we have to come back next Sunday and finish all of this stuff. But God bless you for listening, for letting us participate. Today is the Lord speaks through an invitation time. If, you, if God's spoken to you at all in any way, would you just say, I, I'm not saying I'm about to leave and get on a plane, I'm not about to buy a ticket, but the Lord is speaking to me. And Pastor, pray with me. Show me what I should do next. Here am I, Lord. Send me.